podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. You're listening to the Nat Coombs Show. No, Nat, this week he is off in Copenhagen, but stay tuned because we still have the brilliant wisdom of Iron Mike Coulson alongside me, Prop O, Ollie Thornton, the producer. We chat the ever-changing Lamar Jackson situation. Mike tells us why the Rogers to Jets deal could be more complicated than first thought. And we have a big old bumper mailbag answering your questions. It's a goodie, so let's get straight into it with the brilliant Iron Mike. So, Iron Mike, obviously... Uh, Ali, yeah, Ali Boumaye, Ali Boumaye. And I want absolute pleasure. I mean, usually we're gate crashed every time, and Nat completely takes control of the situation of the podcast when all we've ever really wanted it for is for it to just be us. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we can just talk. We do have a bumper mailbag, which Nat keeps talking about, what we never get to. No, I'm literally just going to ask you <laughs> questions from fans. That's basically what I'm going to. That's why I'm here. I'm the voice of the people, Mike. All right. Power to the people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right on. Um, but we do obviously have to address the fact that Nat isn't here first. And I no. think there are three potential reasons why that's the case. Number one, he's taking a well-deserved break after his brilliant work with the World Cup, the NFL and the BBL season. Two, that he's holding out from his own show because Neil Reynolds was offered guaranteed money for his podcast and Nat wasn't. Guaranteed and, by whom? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and three, he secretly entered the draft as a punter and is in intense training right now in Copenhagen. <laughs> I think that, oh, in Copenhagen, yeah, that's a good place to learn how to punt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, why not? Yeah, I think that sounds good. I think is the Tivoli must be open by now, so Nat can probably spend, you know, punt in the morning and then go on the rides the rest of the day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just, I mean, having seen the man kicking football, I don't think he'd be necessarily be too bad. And I guess it's better late than never. But at the same time, I don't hold that much expectation for him to have any success in this year's draft no well you know i mean the draft is should be wide open to anybody who wants to go in you know if you you should he could show up at the at the copenhagen university pro day (laughs) but i didn't realize that like because we met someone when i was in um arizona for the super bowl i met an irish guy who is entering the draft as a kicker but He's kind of entering it without any expectation of going. He's just going to go and try and prove himself. So literally anyone can enter the draft. Well, that, yes, theoretically, yeah. I mean, but you've got to be seen and you, you, you've got to do you've got to do stuff like that. And um, it's funny, I've been having long conversations because I'm writing a piece about the college basketball. Um, UConn, for example, that won the national championship, four of the players on their roster are, are from overseas. And and these guys go through a long process of, you know, sort of scouts and and agents who get, get involved. And, you know, football coaches come over from even high schools and have clinics. And Neil's son, in fact, went to the States after hmm. one of those, because you almost have to be in that college program to, to get noticed. You know, um, the international platform is starting to produce players. And that, that's a really good thing, I think. One of one of the NFL's really 
really positive things that's happened in the last few years. Um, but the the reality is you really need that experience at um, at collegiate level in the NFL, whereas, say, in basketball, you can survive without playing American college basketball if you're playing pro in pro in Europe, you know, which is the, the guy who gets drafted first in the NBA draft this year is going to be a French player who's, you know, nine, 19 and, and has been playing in the first division in France for the last three years. Yeah, look at Luka Doncic. I mean, Luka Doncic yeah. didn't play in American um, college basketball, high school basketball. Now he's easily one of the best players in the league and is absolutely sensational. And he was playing for Real Madrid, I think, wasn't he, in the Euro yeah. League? He was absolutely sensational. But yeah, as you said, I think the more foreign players and especially obviously the more Brits we can see in the NFL, the better. But we do have a bumper mailbag today. There's lots of questions coming in. Obviously, we'll do a specific focus on Lamar Jackson. I have so many questions about this whole situation. I really <laughs> want to get... what. what Instead of what would Jesus do, I want to do what Mike Carlson would do. <laughs> what would Mike Carlson do? And I think uh, with the Lamar hey, Jackson situation, that's why I'm uh, Jesus. I like him very much. <laughs> um, yeah. If, if well, if I were Lamar, I'd get an agent. Yeah. Um, you know, there's an old saying in the law that the the person who is his own lawyer has a fool for a client. Um, and and I think you know Lamar went in the. You could argue, I think, that Lamar might have been drafted earlier in the first round rather than the Ravens, you know, sneaking back in and getting him with the last pick of the first round. Had he had an agent who who would be promoting him a bit, you know, getting things out, spinning things, um, lying that other teams were interested in him to kind of, you know, push the push the uh, competition level up. And I think the same thing is true now because he's unfortunate, you know, players have been able to do their own contracts with, with a relative amount of success, like Richard Sherman say. Um, and I'm not saying Lamar is a fool, obviously. Um, but he's at a point where Lamar is negotiating last year's contracts and the NFL owners and general managers are thinking about next year's contracts. Mm. And he's caught in the middle. Lamar thinks that since Cleveland and Jimmy Haslam through all that guaranteed money, $240 million guaranteed dollars at Deshaun Watson, that he ought to be getting something like that, which, which is fair enough because he's better than Deshaun Watson. And he's coming off an injury granted, but Deshaun Watson was, you know, has had a serious injury, both one in college and one in the pros, and was coming off a suspension or coming into a suspension year. And that didn't stop Cleveland from giving him a fully guaranteed contract. And then Russell Wilson got a not fully guaranteed, but huge amount of guaranteed contract. And Kyler Murray, a year before they should have even been talking to him, held up Arizona and got himself a, a similar deal to Russell Wilson's 200 and, you know, 230, whatever, and 160 more, more or less guaranteed. So Kyler, um, so Lamar's thinking that's the kind of deal I should get. But all three of those guys bombed out. You know, Jacoby Brissett played better for Cleveland than than Deshaun Watson did. And this year, the quarterback signed deals that look a little bit better than they are, but are not unreasonable, no matter how you look at them. You know, you can say Geno's is really team friendly. Jimmy G's is, is fair to both sides. Daniel Jones's looks like it's more than he's worth. But actually, when you when you parse it down, it's probably, you know, OK. The team has a get out clause. Um, the guaranteed money is mostly up front. Same with Derek Carr. So that none of those deals are extravagant deals, but none of them are up to the level that I think Lamar thinks he wants, and certainly not to the level that Baltimore is going to be willing to pay. 
Um, 100%. And also, I think we saw last year, and we probably should have seen this coming, because last year, the Ravens owner, Steve Biscotti, to paraphrase, essentially said, this Cleveland deal is going to ruin it for everyone else. And to what extent, obviously, with the likes of Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, nearing contract negotiations or probably in them now how much do you think that's that Deshaun Watson deal yeah, affect those absolutely that's that's the other half that's why I said the owners are thinking about next year's deals mm. because um Herbert um Burrow Tua um and this one other um are all coming into that you know they've already extended they've already taken the fifth year option in Miami on Tua um, the word is that Burroughs contract is being negotiated, you know, an extension as we speak, you know, those guys are all coming into it. And that market is not, I don't think going to be as, um, as huge as it was, um, last year mm. for, you know, for those guys, it'll be better. They'll get better deals. I think than the guys who've signed this year, uh, Jalen hurts is the other one. Yeah. Um, that's what I was thinking. Who, who's come, who's coming up. And, you know, so I think there, there is an area in there where Lamar realistically should be getting paid at more or less the same level as these guys. He's got an MVP under his belt, mm. but he's coming off two years of injury. So in that sense, if he had a friendly relationship with the team and you said, look, take the franchise deal and we'll, we promise we'll negotiate another one with you before the season's over, assume, you know, assuming you stay healthy and all, and all of that. Or you come in and say, OK, we'll, we'll give you a two year deal or or even make it a four year deal but it wouldn't be all all guaranteed it would have you know it would have outs for the team and to me that's the best solution because this is where he's played but he's he's kind of seems to be cutting his his um bridge burning his bridges behind him and there aren't many other teams that will be in the market at that kind of money and the most likely one because they were in till the very end on Deshaun Watson was Atlanta you know, at, Atlanta um, got pipped at the post by the guarantees that mm. that Cleveland offered them, and they were all in on on Deshaun Watson. So why wouldn't they be all in on Lamar? Given especially that they've got, they had, I'm not sure if they still do now. I haven't checked a lot of cap money, but they're going to go ahead. I, I think Desmond Ritter. Um, you know, they say they're happy to go ahead with him as their starting guy, and. Well, um, Arthur Blank came out, didn't he? And he said that Lamar Jackson can't be trusted because of his injury issues over the past couple of years and the style of yeah. play that he carries yeah. out. But I find that fascinating because I think if there's any team that lo- it looks like the perfect destination for Lamar Jackson out of the possibilities, it does look like Atlanta because of that friendly run game offense yeah. that obviously yeah. Arthur Smith implements there. They've got that two those two tight ends now after that was where he had that great success with Mark Andrews and Hayden Hurst in Baltimore and they look like they've invested in the defense significantly well. So it looks like Atlanta are pretty set up in what is a weak NFC and a weak NFC South to have a lot of success. So I don't understand why Arthur Blank is saying that. Yeah, I I think that's absolutely right. You know, and I look at Desmond Ritter and and he he wasn't outstanding last year, but I thought it when they drafted him, he's a good fit for that kind of an offense. If you ask me what kind of NFL quarterback he resembles, it might be Ryan Tannehill. Um, you know, so, so yeah, they could go ahead with that, but you're absolutely right. He's a great fit for what they like to run. 
and you don't it means they don't have to change your your off your offense around uh teams that are you know are committed to a drop back passing game or even a west coast game might you know might hesitate a little bit with Lamar but teams that want to play it's not even single wing football. It really is a kind of a mix of styles that Arthur Smith wants to play. It's a lot of play action. It's based on a, a strong run, running game and the pass is a second option. Mariota was a good fit for that offense. And Mari, Mariota was surprisingly effective, statistically speaking. I mean, you know, you, you, and I think part of the problem there was there wasn't enough help for him. Uh, and, and, Lamar would be a major upgrade for that. So, you know, to me, to me, that makes a lot of sense. But what Blank says, says to me that, well, the owners, it's not necessarily collusion. It doesn't have to have been thought out, you know, mm. but the owners are very wary of repeating Jimmy Haslam's and the other, the other teams that, that followed mistakes of, of two years ago um and you know don't want to be wasting huge amount of money on on quarterbacks if they if they don't have to and and god everything's in their favor you know quarterback wise because they get these rookie quarterbacks on cheap deals for you know for four for three or four years before they have to make decisions on them um instead of back in the old days when you had to pay them like a starter if you want you know if you wanted the number one pick in the draft so i i, I don't you know to me I don't see a great solution there. The only, I mean, there's a, there's a couple of other teams you you could think might be in the might be in the mix. But if you've got the one or two pick, you're obviously not going to sign Lamar, um, you know, to, to to your team. And um, if you're if you're interested in say putting together a run first sort of offense it might not be it might not be worth your while the best option after that would be hoping that either the jets or packers need a quarterback desperately you know given whatever happens with Aaron with Aaron Rodgers um and i mean i'm sliding into another topic now but yeah. i realistic i realistically don't see a decision on that until june because if you look at the salary cap issues if Green Bay wait till June to trade or release Rodgers, they actually add to their cap and cut the amount of dead money to about, I think it's 15 million. Whereas if they do it now, the dead money's 14 million and it costs them another, I think, uh, 15 off off their cap. So it makes no sense for them to to deal now. You know, maybe they I don't know how the NFL rules are about this. I haven't checked that, but you know, maybe they and the Jets can just make a little gentleman's agreement that, you know, you they can't trade a draft pick draft pick, obviously, but you pick up this guy or that guy, and that'll be part of our package when we make the deal. But I really, you know, I'd be shocked if Green Bay were stupid enough to kill their cap just to get rid of Rodgers. It does feel um, like we've kind of reached that point with that story where Rodgers come out and said he wants to be a New York Jet. But as you've said, it doesn't seem to make sense for the Green Bay Packers to make the decision now or to make the move now. So we are basically just sitting here and waiting for everything to be finalised and for the deal to get over the line. But there has been pretty much no update over the sort of past sort of month or so on that deal. It feels like we're just waiting for it to happen. But as you said, yeah. it could all blow up. It's the NFL. Just quickly, last one on Lamar Jackson. Yeah, you, you, know what, possible... you know what? Pat McAfee won't have anything to talk about. I know. Now that that's not true. No, I was about to say he literally <laughs> talk about anything at any moment in time. Uh, quickly, actually, I saw Mike Tannenbaum say this just as another potential option for Lamar Jackson. 
Um, obviously, the former Dol- Dolphins GM on, I can't remember which shirt it was. Jets. Yeah, he was Jets too, I think. Yeah, yeah. Jets as well. If the Colts take Will Anderson at four and then trade away, who's obviously one of the star defensive players going in this draft coming out of Alabama. But and then they trade, they could then potentially get Will Anderson at four and then trade away future picks, sort of like future first rounders, future second rounders for Lamar Jackson. Do you think that is a genuine possibility? And do you think the Colts would be the alternative sort of best landing spot for Lamar Jackson as it seems like the bridge is broken? If, in yeah, I think that's that's a really good, it's a really good um, chart because there is a feeling that the Colts will, will probably trade up to three depending on which quarterback they want. Well, if they want one of the two, if they want, I mean, we're, everyone's assuming, and and I think I am too, that Young and Stroud will be the first two guys to yeah. go in whatever order. And um, so whether they want Richardson or Levis, um, you know, they will have to trade with Arizona uh, or to get the one they want. Although it's, to me, it, I, I, the, the scenario is not that Arizona takes him, but that Arizona trades the pick to somebody else who then mm. takes takes the third quarter there with the third quarterback they want and now i think shy because shane shiken um is the offensive coordinator there and he's had he had good success with jalen hurts that he would be great for lamar it would be a, it would be a great move and i have not been convinced by anthony richardson as the top guy, you know, there are draft nicks out there saying he's the number one guy. He's an amazing athlete. I mean, but but where he lies on the quarterback spectrum, you know, is he a Cam Newton um, or is he a Justin Fields or is he a Malik Willis, a super Malik yeah. Willis? You know, and remember how everybody pumped up Malik Willis mm-hmm. last year and he went to, till the third round. So I would rather have Lamar than, than Anthony um, Richardson, you know, and if they can afford it, that that would not be a bad move for them. So some say somebody, and if somebody trades up, you know, they can make noises about trading. If somebody else trades up to three, that would be that that would be their move. Take Anderson if at four, if that's what the Ravens want. Um, you know, in my mind, still, and I know that he's not going to go in those, but the, the number one guy in this draft, um, in my mind, was Jalen Carter, who's who's managing to completely. Screw it up for himself, isn't he? <laughs> and I'm sure we can talk about that in a minute. Yeah. But I mean, but if that's what Baltimore wants, I mean, I see Anderson as a great, is a really good player and all, but there's a lot of pretty good rush guys in this draft. The first round is going to have five or six of them probably who who go, who are, who are talented enough rush guys. So, but I, I think Tannenbaum might be onto something. I hadn't, I hadn't considered that one because I was thinking only in terms of Indianapolis taking Richardson. Mm. Um, and this would, Hmm. I think it would make pl- more sense to be honest. They could plug him right there. in, yeah. 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 And then Richard, you Richardson, the... you're good, you're gonna have to have Gardner Minshew start for a while. And then, you know. Yeah, exactly. Which I don't think I mean Gardner Minshew did a decent job for the Eagles, but I don't think you want yeah. that necessarily with that team that the Colts have currently. Final one on the Ravens before we do move on and get into the mailbag. OBJ linked heavily to the Ravens. Is this some weird last second play to try and convince Lamar to stay, or is this just a team that's really in need <laughs> no, of a wide receiver? I think I think what they're doing is they're going to change his name to QBJ, and he's <laughs> he's he's going to play quarterback for them. Um, I think OJ. I think he played in Pop Warner or something, quarterback, and he figures he can do he can do. Then he can be both, you know, two way threat, both throwing and catching. 
Um, but he's not going to go if they don't have Lamar Jackson, yeah, is he? No. Because he's going to go to who a knows? Who, yeah, well, he wants to go to a team that's going to win. Yeah. Um, and he also wants $15 million a year, which he's not going to get. No. Um, I don't know how much I'd, you know, I'd pay him, but um, um, he's a he's a number two receiver at best. He's got an injury history now, like like so many other guys. I, you know, I, I I'd be looking at a one year deal un well under 10 million, um, you know, for, for something like that. And whether he'll want to do that or not, I I don't know. It, and also, now, the, the one thing nobody seems to talk about much, if Lamar doesn't go back to Baltimore, which right now he says, you know, he said goodbye um, to them, who's the Ravens quarterback? Uh, Are they going to go with Huntley for the whole season? Do they really, Would they not. really feel comfortable with that? No. You know? Um, and... Much as I mean, young or Stroud, you might consider might be able to to go in, you know, and play. But Levis or Richardson, either. What about Mike? What about Mike? Let's dive into the mailbag. Potentially, I don't think you could have two more polar opposite quarterbacks. Maybe they just go for literally the other side of the coin completely. Mike E. McBride has tweeted us saying, "If the rumors be true, where would be the best landing spot for Mac Jones? Be and should he be rejoicing?" to get away from the offensive instability of his time in New England. <laughs> Could we see Mac Jones at the Ravens, Mike? That would be, a, I, if I were Bill, I would be very, very reluctant to do that. I, simply because if if he plays well, you, the last thing you want is Baltimore playing well with Mac Jones and beating you in the playoffs. You know, that's Baltimore has been a kind of nemesis for Bill over, over the years. Um, Do you think that's a possibility? Do you believe these rumors are true about Mac Jones potentially being shopped around? It just feels like it's too late in the season for well, that, or too late in the off season for that to be happening. I mean, that would, that would have to mean that the, I mean, I know Robert Kraft gave this interview and said, you know, Lamar was, was really great and, you know, great player. We'd love to have him and stuff like that, but that's, as long as Bill's running the team, that's not really the way Bill would would want to do it. He's not going to mortgage the team out to Lamar to Lamar Jackson. No, and he's got a certain amount of old man pride invested now. Um, I mean, this is funny because the Boston Press is the closest equivalent in America. Maybe New York is worse, but you know they're the they're the closest equivalent to the British tabloid press. In that they, you know, they they fall all over you when you're a success, and then they right away start chopping chopping you down. And there's nothing they like more than this kind of craft craft versus um craft versus Belichick scenario. And there was a quote from Kraft: "I've given him the freedom to make the choices and do the things that need to be done." I mean, thanks a lot, Bob. <laughs> you could you could have done it right, um, but. I think what he's talking about is all that free agency money Bill spent relatively badly two yeah. years two years ago. Um, you know, I mean, Judon's been a success, Henry's been okay. Um, you know, but but John U. Smith and Aguilar and, and mm. Bill's Bourne has been in his doghouse or all of last year. So, you know, a, a lot of wasted money there. I can't see them spending out big. And I think Bill O'Brien was brought back. Primarily for Mac. Um, remember, he coached at Alabama, um, so Mac knows him and obviously is comfortable with him. And um, you know, I'm one of those people who thought that I, when Mac came back from injury last year, it was very strange that they split time with him and Zappy. Yeah, and I really thought Zappy probably should have had a little bit more playing time toward that end, which might have focused things 
really well. And, you know, one of the things this is this spreads into the Bryce Young versus C.J. Stroud argument. But, you know, who's the best quarterback from Alabama in the last four since Joe Namath? You know, Alabama yeah. quarterbacks have not eaten up the NFL. And the best one, who's the best Alabama quarterback currently in the league? It's Jalen Hurts, and yeah. Alabama booted him out to Oklahoma. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and Ohio State's even worse. You know, yeah, how many no. great quarterbacks have come out of Ohio State? You know, zero, basically. Yeah. It, it Traditionally, and it, over the years. And, you know, Terrell Pryor was better at wide receiver. You know, who's than, the best? Who's the best quarterback to come, um, come out of Ohio from, State? Joe, Joe Burrow. Burrow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, they, and that tells you something about those teams. You know, they're so powerful. They don't even need a great quarterback. They need a quarterback who they think fits their kind of system better. Um, so, you know, I I, I think I, I think that in, in – uh, I just think in terms of the, the Patriots offense, overreading the Mac, the Matt Patricia – Joe Judge fiasco into this year is probably wrong. I think you can make you might be able to make a good case that Bill is one of those guys who's now reached the point where everything he did has either been copied or improved on by other people, and that the stuff he did may not work so well anymore. It may be time, you know, for him to readjust. And I won't even get into the nepotism business because football is a nepotism business, and you know. Bob Kraft's successor is going to be his son, Jonathan. Bill's got both his sons coaching. And, you know, Jared Mayo is in some circles the coach of the future. And others, he's sharing the defensive coordinator job with Bill's son, Steve. And, you know, when Bill leaves, does he get the head job or does his son get the head job? Or does Bill O'Brien get the head job? You know, Do you think Matt, that... Patricia, Matt Patricia, meanwhile, is going to become the coach of Chelsea? Well, in a Ted Lasso kind of fashion. I do, think <laughs> exactly. that, I do think there's a possibility for that. I'm working more and more in the Premier League recently and <laughs> that whole tabloid thing where we're just cutting people down and just also just it feels like I'm in a constant cycle of just yeah. people being sacked and hired, sacked and hired. I mean, what I is mean, it, yeah, 30, and, and it's I something think... the NFL has, is relatively been free of. You, yeah. you know, it's it's like, you know, what have you what have you done for us lately? You know, yeah, I think there's been 13 managers have left their post which is the also League what... this season. 13. Out of 20, like, it's crazy. Yeah. 11 teams have changed their manager this season. Over half. It is absolutely yeah. incredible. And I don't think we're that far away from yeah. someone just hiring Matt Patricia, especially with the way Todd Bowley is. I heard uh, one of my contacts, shall we say, in the Premier League, I'll, I'll leave it at that, told me um, the, uh Todd Bowley didn't even know who John Terry was. <laughs> Yep. John Terry, who's he? <laughs> he hasn't played. When When was the last time Terry played? Five years ago? Yeah, yeah well, yeah, probably about five, six years ago. But he's also yeah. the probably one of the most iconic figures of that football club. Like, that's yeah. honestly, like, almost like saying that you take over the New England Patriots and then not knowing who Tom Brady is. <laughs> was he yeah. was he that guy was he that guy who played played for Tampa um and it just um, occurred just just occurred to me while we're talking about coaches that another one of the reasons why the Jets you know have to be considered all in on Rodgers as opposed to Lamar is that their offensive coordinator is Nathaniel Hackett and 
he's there because of Aaron Rodgers. They wow. signed Lazard because of Aaron Rodgers. You know, they've, they've gone so all in on this guy that if, if he retreats into the man cave and never comes out, they're dead. Is Nathaniel Hackett just going to keep getting jobs based on the fact that Aaron Rodgers might go to those teams? If it works. I mean, we said, we said this last year, you know, on the show last year when, when Denver hired him, you know, his job in Green Bay, like any offensive coordinator or coach's job in Green Bay, is basically, you know, it's kind of like Doug Peterson's was when Brett Favre was the quarterback. He goes out, you know, his job was to basically play golf with Brett on, on Monday and then, you know, on Tuesday, kind of keep him awake in the quarterback's room. Um, and, I mean, Nathaniel Hackett's another, you know, his father was Paul Hackett, who was, who was a pretty good offensive mind in his time. And, you know, he's a he's a nice guy, apparently. You know, he works hard. Um, he certainly was in over his head in Denver, and I think that became pretty obvious pretty quickly. Um, so now, you know, now if he can bring Rodgers, that probably makes it worthwhile. And, and then you don't really have to worry about how the coordination goes, because in a real sense, Rodgers becomes his own offensive coordinator. I mean, you know, you could seriously argue that Mike McCarthy and Rodgers were a bad match for yeah. much of the time he was there. And Rodgers was basically not running Mike McCarthy's offense. He was calling Mike McCarthy's plays and then waiting for them to break down and then then make plays himself. And that's not a good way to to win football games. I mean, the, my favorite Green Bay thing is that, you know, they had Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers for what, the last... 30 seasons, more or less, and they won two Super Bowls. Oh, that's crazy. You know, with, with, I mean, I'm not one of the people who thinks Favre was the best quarterback in the league, but he was cert- he's a Hall of Fame quarterback, and Rodgers is a Hall of Fame quarterback. So there you go. 100%. Uh, let's dive into the mailbag. There's quite a few team ones in here, which I want to get into. Peter Hart has got in touch. Hi, Peter. He says, will the Steelers do anything next season, or will it be another season of rebuilding? Well, that's an interesting question um, because I think you could think of it as a rebuild season in the sense that Pickett and Pickens have to prove themselves perhaps as being legitimate NFL regulars. Um, But they showed so much promise, I thought, in in the second half of last season Mm. that to me, this isn't really a rebuild as much as just, you know, Part of it, actually, part of it has been to keep the thing going. They lost two linebackers. They brought two more linebackers in. Um, They've improved their secondary a little bit. I think they probably need an offensive lineman, a tackle. Um, They might need more depth on the defensive line because, but there's, they're very good at picking out guys, um, you know, who can help them. They've got a couple of guys off the Jets um, practice squad last year who actually I think will, will step in. especially at defensive end. And I, I think, think I made a note of one of them somewhere. And, and as usual, I, I'm kind of can't find. Oh yeah. Um, Jonathan Marshall. I have a lot of faith in Jonathan Marshall being a, a really good player. He came off the jets um, practice squad and, and they drafted Leal uh, Veal last year and he was hurt most of the year. So the defensive line might not need as much help um, as we thought. So I actually think that they're, they're probably the number two challengers right now in in the AFC North uh, because ball. I mean, who knows with Baltimore? They yeah. don't have a quarterback at the moment. If Baltimore go into the season with with their existing quarterback room, I you know I would not 
put them ahead of Pittsburgh. Um, and Cleveland's a kind of, you know, big question mark uh, as, as to what they'll do. And ooh, that that could be the other place, but it's not going to happen. But it's, it's weird how your mind works. I went Cleveland. I went Jacoby Brissett. I went Washington. Mm. The commies would be a great place for Lamar Jackson. I was thinking but that, I, but don't they love how? Well, they say they do, mm. but um, I think Brissett starts there unless something strange happens. But when you think about when you think about Ron Rivera's career, the only winning seasons he had in in his whole career, he's had three, were with Cam Newton. And as I said before, Lamar's in that kind of Cam Newton category as a quarterback. Mm. So if he wants, you know, he wants a defensive team, he wants to run the ball, all that kind of stuff. Now the problem is, of course, Dan Snyder is you know supposedly on his way out if the blackmail stuff he says he has on the other owners and Roger Goodell doesn't work. Um, you know. And so they don't you can't you can't commit to a you know huge contract for Lamar unless you know who your owner is and um you know and, and what's gonna happen with that. So that's probably not a but he'd be a fit he'd be a fit there and that would be great. He probably wouldn't even have to sell his house in Baltimore. Yeah, true. I just think that Lamar Jackson should just find a way if he is going to leave Baltimore to make it to the NFC with either Washington or Atlanta, just because of the increasing possibility of him making a Super Bowl, him making deep runs in the playoffs every season, just because of how bad the quarterbacks are in the NFC as that is it looks at the moment going into the season. Yeah, and he'd be yeah, the team with the need at quarterback is Tampa, but Tampa doesn't have any money. Um, you know, yeah, so they, they've been speaking bankrupt. of Tampa, Jez Goddard got in touch with the show. Hi, Jez. Are the Buccaneers out of contention, and why the rapid decline? I think there's many. Well, the rapid, yeah, the rapid decline is no problem. I mean, right at the moment, they are out of out of contention in a in a division where it's very hard at this point to predict how that division is going to is going to fall. Um, but they're out of contention for the same reason the Rams are out of contention. They went all in to win a Super Bowl, and unlike the Rams, who lost Stafford. The second year, they 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 came close. You know, the second year was the one that killed them because they had to keep spending money to try to be as competitive as they were the first Brady year when they won the Super Bowl, and they came relatively close they, um, to getting back to a Super Bowl that year. And then the third year was just a you know a write off. Um, but they spent so much money, they committed to so much in long term contracts, and and you know they've they've lost so many players. Um, they didn't build depth. Because they, they were building, they were getting top flight players in it, at all these positions. There's still a bunch of, a bunch, a bit of talent, not a bunch, but a bit of talent on that team. But, but you know, who's going to be their quarterback for the upcoming year? You know, someone, someone who's going to tear the league apart? I don't think so. Absolutely not. Uh, and also, you briefly mentioned Dan Snyder earlier. We've got a question from James Gregory, which I'm actually fascinated to get your thoughts on. I think this is a Mike Carlson vintage question. Who's the worst NFL owner of all time? Is, is it Dan Snyder? <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I, I Dan has got to be up there. I did a piece for Gridiron Magazine this past season. I think it was issue 75 about owners. And I couldn't, it was impossible to decide who the worst owner of all time was. There is a lot of competition. Um, <laughs> but it also depends on what you mean by the worst owner. And, and the same thing applies if you say best owner. Um because is it be, is it to create a winning team or is it are you good or bad because of other things you do that that affect your franchise on a on a bigger scale so um 
you know, I the um, the best owners. I I I I did it mostly by who were the guys who who did the most for their teams and for the league. Um, you know, in, in general, and they they were guys like Ralph Wilson of the Bills and um, Carol Rosenblum um, of the Colts and and then the Rams and um, Tim Mara or, or Wellington Mara from the Giants. You know, guys who in effect sacrificed to um, to help keep the league going or make make the league better. And the worst ones then. I had about, I think I didn't list them in order. Finally, in the end, I couldn't bring myself to do it. So I had them alphabetically, but I had the good, the bad, and the ugly. And, you know, the bad were the guys who were complete bozos running a team. Um, I even thought about putting George Hallis in that category because what Hallis, what Hallis did was as the game changed, he didn't, you know, he never had a, he never had a good quarterback after Sid Luckman for the main reason that he didn't like the guys who were quarterbacks. He didn't like guys who threw the ball. And so, you know, but, but I left, I left him off. And, and then the uglier, the guys like Snyder and mm. Snyder's bad in both senses. He's yeah. bad and he's ugly. He doesn't get football. And he also does all kinds of other awful things. And Washington's had a bad, you know, George Preston Marshall was a terrible racist, um, his teams after he lost Sammy Ball were never any good until Joe Gibbs came along, um, you know, and and he finally let him do that. But uh, they were the last team to have a black player, and they only did that because Bobby Kennedy told them they couldn't use what was not then Bobby RFK Stadium in Washington because it was owned by the District of Columbia, mm-hmm. um, unless they integrated their teams. Finally, very reluctantly, they integrated his team. Um, you know, so that, you know, in in that kind of category, Art Modell, who a lot of the NFL people love because he made them a lot of money media wise, I think is just, you know, he fired two of the top four coaches of all time, Paul Brown and Bill Belichick. He moved the Browns who were, you know, created out of nothing in 1946 and were so popular. They always sold out an 80,000 state stadium to go to Baltimore Um because he could get luxury boxes in a new stadium and that kind of stuff. You know, Ursay, Bob Ursay took the Colts, who were a great part of that that city, and moved them overnight to Indianapolis. Yeah. You know, that 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 those kind of things put a guy into the into the bad category for me. So yeah. all those names I've mentioned are, you know, Jerry Jones is in the ugly category. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's so much scandal around the Cowboys over the years. And, you know, and and if you want to be hypercritical of him, which, I, you know, his football mind is not bad. I mean, people. He's, you know, considering he's his own GM, he hasn't done that badly. Uh, they've they've been more or less in contention for most of the time, but his championship teams were were Jimmy Johnston's, you know, mm-hmm. and he fired Johnson because he didn't like Johnson getting the credit and taking it, and he brought in Barry Switzer and and Switzer coached the team, you know, but it was still Jimmy Johnson's team, you know, and and it wasn't Jerry Jones's team, and that that's eaten at his butt for you know for thirty years, yeah, thirty years. Fascinating. I well, mean, you could definitely read questions write, like that. Yeah, you could write a whole book on that, can you? You could just write yeah. a whole book on the history of the good, bad, and the ugly owners. I don't think that can be restricted to one article. I mean, it's incredible, and the history of the NFL is just so fascinating in in all aspects. Uh, next question in the mailbag. Thanks for everything. Get in touch, obviously, at the NC Show, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, of course, run by Mike as well. We're on all of the platforms, Facebook as well. Andrew Tick- asks, coming back. I'm not to this, on Tick. I'm not on TikTok. Uh, you are on TikTok. You just don't know. We put you on TikTok. Oh. <laughs> 
<laughs> now you, like, you yeah, haven't now, been cancelled yet. Now you tell me. <laughs> yeah, I check. You haven't been cancelled yet. Neither of us have been cancelled yet, which is uh, good news for all of us. Nat hasn't even been cancelled yet, despite his hatred for uh, Kenny Pickett that we love to talk about on this show. Uh, Andrew's got in touch. What's the worst trade slash cut a team has made this offseason? So uh, basically, which... Which player was wrong for a team to let go? Oh. If you ask me what was the worst pickup. Yeah, go for that. <laughs> I, I might say I thought I thought Denver really overpaid McGlinchey. Yeah. And Atlanta really overpaid Lynchman, but that's their own guy, and you understand that. But you mm-hmm. know, that just bumped the ceiling on guards. But Mc, they didn't need to pay, I thought, McGlinchey that much. Um, but it was Josh Oliver, who's been a backup tight end. And he was a good player in college. I thought, you know, he would do a lot better as a pass. He's a pass catching guy. But but Minnesota gave him a like a 10 million, two year, 21 million, something like that. 10 million Why? a year. You, that's what I said. Yeah. They've got TJ Hawkinson as well now, don't they? Yeah. I mean, they obviously they want to go two tight ends. That's fine. He's a good pass catching tight end, but you know, he, he's never been in a position to to have a great season. And but you're paying him like a, a great tight end, you know. That's why you know the Patriots traded John Lee Smith for a seventh round pick, which sounds like a der- terrible deal. But they traded him to get out from under his contract. So for them it was a great deal. They got they got rid of him and they didn't have to pay a lot of mo- money. And and oddly enough, for Atlanta, it was a good pickup because when he was in Tennessee with Arthur Smith, he played really well. He was a, a focus of their offense. And and given that they've got Pitts as their second tight end, this will probably open things up for him a, a bit better than than New England were were able to do with him. So that was one of those kind of things that looks bad for both teams, but actually is probably pretty good for both teams. I'm still trying to think. I'm in the back of my mind as I'm going. I'm trying to think of what was a team releasing somebody that they um you know it, the problem with this is that you you're good bad in this situation generally comes down to money yes and this this is the thing that people don't really concentrate on. it's harder to keep your own players without overpaying them than it is to sign look at orlando brown for example you know last year he could have had a big deal from kansas city uh, they franchised him this year. He wanted twenty million a year. They gave twenty million a year to um, Juwan Taylor, who's been a right tackle in the league. Um, and then he signed with Cincinnati for what amounts to about sixteen million a year. But he gets he's got a lot of it up front guaranteed. But still, it's it's sixteen million a year. It's it's harder to keep your own players in your budget unless they're willing to sacrifice what they think they can make elsewhere. Um, so. Sometimes, you know, I, I didn't like um, Cincinnati releasing Bates, but I understood it um, because they they fill the they can fill the safety position. They had drafted to prepare for the loss. And then they, you know, they, they also signed Scott from the Rams, who I think was a really good value signing. He's a, he was a low draft pick who came out of nowhere for the Rams and, and has played pretty well for them. So, you know, that kind of thing on the surface of it, you say, well, that was, that was a bad loss, but on, uh, you know, in reality, it makes, it makes sense for them. Chauncey's, I, I would have, I, in an, in a bubble, I would have preferred to keep Chauncey, um, um Johnson. 
John Gardner Johnson um, and let Bradbury go instead of giving Bradbury 20 million a year. Um, Cause I think you can replace Bradbury more easily, but, but he's perfect for the system. He's very coachable. And, and the, the buzz around Chauncey Gardner Johnson is although he's so talented, he's not always the most coachable guy, but I love the versatility that he, that he brings to, you know, he, he was like Malcolm Jenkins when he was with the Eagles. He, he gave them that kind that kind of player, but he's not as, Malcolm Jenkins is a leader on the field. You know, he's, 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 a, I just have so much respect for, for him. Um, but just, I thought, you know, yeah, just go, I was just going back to the, the Bengals and the chief situations, obviously the Buffalo bills, they're two of what are considered to be the sort of the superpowers in the AFC at this moment in time, obviously chiefs are at the back of a Super Bowl win. How do you think the landscape of the top of the AFC, which is easily going to be one of the most discussed things throughout the season, heading into the season, do you think the top of the, the landscape of the AFC has changed dramatically so far this offseason, or do you think it's pretty much stayed the same? I think I think it's pretty much stayed the same, but there, you know, Buffalo's lost a lot of players. Um, a, a quite a bit of talent and and haven't necessarily improved themselves. And and our question going into the year is going to be, did was Josh Allen's fall off in the last quarter of the season for real? You know, all of a sudden he started looking like a, a less accurate passer, kind of more like what we were expecting back in his rookie year um from him. Well, you know, was that was that because Dayball was gone, you know, and he wasn't being coached as well? Um or or not, um, I think Cincinnati's probably improved themselves, uh, knowing that this is their time. And Mike Brown, who a lot of people think is a bad owner because he's so cheap, but you know, he's one of the few guys who still makes his living off the team. Mm. And it, I mean, this is nepotism run wild because he's Paul Brown's son, obviously. But everybody yeah, in the fam, family works for the team, so they, you know, so every every penny that goes to a player is a penny that comes out of his, literally out of his kids' pockets. Um, and uh, but he's a smart football guy, and I think they've they've kept their they've kept their team at least as good, um, and and they may have even improved it. Um, it'll be interesting to see if Jonah Williams actually walks or not. Um, yeah, because you know, he, he immediately said, "Well, if Orlando Brown's coming in, I want to, I want to get out." And you know, it, it would be probably a better thing for everybody were he were he to stay. Um, the Chiefs, the Chiefs will be good again. They're always going to be good mm. um, because Mahomes is great and Andy's smart. Um, and you know, they lost McCall Hardman, for example. But as we saw in, in the Super Bowl, Kadarius Tony was signed basically to be McCall Hardman. Um, just as McCall Hardman was originally signed to sort of be Tyreek Hill or an approximation of Tyreek Hill um, to do that. So, you know, who's uh, the question will be, will will the Chargers actually improve or will they just be a tease as they were? Um, will Denver be better? I think that Denver's probably the key team in terms of a change of power. Uh, because they, you know, everyone was looking at them last year as being a really talented team who were now getting a top quarterback. They're still a really talented team. So it, it comes down a lot to coaching there. Um, and will about- one of the, you know, will Miami sort yeah. of step up? Um, they've invested an awful lot in this team thinking that, the, you know, they're, they're one step away, you know, then with, and with Vic Fangio there, 
and the guys they brought in, their defense could be really spectacular, you know. And so it doesn't matter if Tua becomes a top three quarterback in the league. If that defense plays the way a Vic Fangio defense at its best can play, they don't need Tua to be Justin Herbert or or Joe Burrow. They can, you know, they can survive with him just being good and not turning the ball over. And, and for all of his shortcomings, which, you know, again, I put in quotes because mm-hmm. he hasn't played that badly. He doesn't turn the ball over that much. No. It's um, a fascinating prospect, and obviously it's all going to change with the draft as well. The final question I want to ask you, brilliant work as always, but as a man who has been, has seen many build-ups to many drafts in recent years, have you seen anything quite like what Jalen Carter's been doing going into this, going into it as potentially one of the highest <laughs> sort of prospects <laughs> in the draft and is suddenly sort of damaging his reputation and his yeah, draft well, prospects quite significantly. Laramie Tunsil springs to mind. Yeah. Um, you know, as a, a kind of very different, but, but, you know, timing wise. Now there's two ways to look at this and the NFL way is they don't like players who make waves. The last thing in the world you want is a guy who isn't going to step into line, follow the rules, uh, take in, take the orders, that kind of stuff. There's still that mm, thought stream in the NFL. For years and years, guys who failed tests for marijuana would plum, plummet down the dread. Guys who failed tests for steroids would climb up because that showed they wanted to win. They weren't distracted yeah. away from football, you know? And now Jalen Carter did a stupid thing after a stupid party uh, because these guys are adults, they're not kids, they're not student athletes, they're they're semi-professional athletes. Um the the staff at Georgia, young women, should know better than to get drunk and go joyriding with with players. Players yeah. should know better than to get drunk and go go joyriding um in, in the first place. I think it was it was tough that he he got charged he just at the time of combine. And I think he's probably still recovering from that. Um, I don't know what sort of a kid he is. And again, he's there. He's an adult. He's not a kid, but you know, to me, everyone's a kid, but you know, I don't know whether, whether that was like a lapse of judgment or whether he's a kind of wild guy or, you know, whether, but what, what it says to me is if in one sense, He's going to go to he 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 thinks he's a top ten draft pick and like I said I thought before this all happened I thought he was the number one player in the draft now you, he's not going to go number one because quarterbacks are going to go to a team that needs a quarterback you you know that and and I think Bryce um, that um, Bryce and CJ are both you know top cool yeah they're they're worthwhile top picks that's that's fine but i thought he was the best player in in the draft if i you know if i didn't need a quarterback that's the guy i would take um i think this is partly a pride thing where he doesn't want to fall out of the top 10 but it's also partly why should he go and talk to 20 teams half of whom are never going to have a shot at him Mm. presumably you know and answer the same questions over and over again. But could they not, he, like, if they really like him, could teams not sort of move up in the draft to try and go and get him? Is that not an argument to go and see as many d- teams as possible? 
well, how many are going to have the wherewithal to be able to do that? Mm. Um, and I think, you know, it's one of those things where if he had a smart agent, he might do an interview and, and send it to teams. Mm. Um, not, you know, and not, not a, um, a softball interview, but a hardball interview. Um, and I know why teams want to talk to him because you want to talk to the guy face to face. You want to see what's in his eyes, you know, and, and character is a major concern for, for NFL teams. Um, you don't want to waste a pick on a guy who's going to be a bad character on your team. I somehow don't believe he will be, um, in, I think, and again, this is kind of like best one in the world. He learn he'll learn from his experience. He may well be suspended um, before he gets to play in the NFL. That's up to the commissioner and to Troy Vincent. But I wouldn't. I, that's not to me. I'm not unlikely. Um, you know, especially if if his um, if his legal legal. It's only. I mean, it's only a question of luck that he didn't kill somebody. Mm. And you can argue that he. You know. He's a, I don't know what you'd call it, reckless endangerment or something by racing that he was, you know, responsible. He didn't, he's just lucky he didn't kill anybody in his car. Um, you know, so, so he could be, could be facing a time, but, but I can understand that feeling that I, I just don't want to perform over and over and over again for teams that aren't going to take me in the draft. And he might be wrong, but I, but I kind of think, one of the things in the the NFL controls the process so much. I'm a little surprised that more guys don't buck the system. Mm. You know, they have in other sports and, and the system tends to change when they do, um, you know, and they're all, you know, but your NFL career is so short and your peak is generally so, so small that you you don't really want to do that. No, um, it's not worth the risk, I guess, at this point. Yeah. The NFL is too big a business. It's too big a conglomerate to be. Yeah, I mean, to you know, against. yeah, NFL, the NBA takes 18 year old kids and drafts them, you know, or 19 year old kids, one and done in, co in college. Baseball drafts them right out of high school. And, you know, some agents had their guys playing in independent leagues. You know, the, the NBA started its own development league and they now have a team for guys who don't go to college, you know, mm. ignite, you know, um, who won't go through that thing. So if I'm a, if I'm a player, um, if I'm a player in a situation like his, I may just, I may just want to say, I want to get past this and not repeat it 20 times when I can only repeat it yeah. 10 times, you know, um, choose, choose carefully guys. If you're not interested in me or if you're really questioning me, then don't, don't interview me. And maybe it's, maybe he does a Laramie Tunsil and falls, you know, how much money did Tunsil lose? Oh, millions. You know, by, by doing that, millions, you know. Literally millions. Excellent work, Mike. As you mentioned there, you will be writing for your Patreon column. Go and subscribe to Mike. I can promise you that you will not regret it. Loads of stuff still coming up on in the off-season on the NC show. Mike will, of course, be a regular voice building up to the draft. Yeah. Post after the draft, we'll get all of his takes. Ben with College Days. I'll be back with Nat for Edge Rush. Plus, we'll have some very exciting guests as well. Mike, have a great Easter, my man. It's been an absolute pleasure. I've really enjoyed that. Isn't it great? to just relax and do a podcast without that kind of Simon Legree, you know, whip cracking, gnat kind of trying to control everything. You know? <laughs> it is. I'll, 
Yeah, I'll bet you. I'll bet you he can get a pretty good podcast deal over there in Denmark. You know. Yeah, I bet he can. Well, that's why he's over there. That's that's the latest is what he's actually looking for. Is he's looking for the latest Danish NFL podcast? Maybe going to do their TV coverage out there. You know, Nat. He's always moving and shaking our Nat. But yeah, I'm sure he will be back next week. I hope ben. he brings you back. I hope he brings you back a Danish pastry. So do I. Although it'll probably be stale by the time it comes back, won't it? Kind of like that. <laughs> I will leave it there. Have a hey <laughs> Have a brilliant yeah, Easter. Bottom. I'll leave it on that. Have a good one. Sports Social Podcast Network.